0: Welcome back to the 21st TFA Daily World Cup podcast of a World Cup series. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and we have another exciting episode for you all today. The semifinals begin tomorrow as the World Cup is fast approaching its conclusion. First up, we have the clash between the losers of the last two FIFA World Cup finals, Argentina and Croatia, having captained their nations to the World Cup final defeat in 2014 and 2018, respectively. Both Lionel Messi and Luka Modric have the opportunity to take their countries to the final for the one last shot in what will likely be the duo's final appearance at the competition. The game will certainly be an exciting one, and in this episode, we will tactically preview the first semi-final. To do so, I'm joined by TFA analyst Brian Marquez, as well as Running Dog Media's head of betting and affiliates, Lucas Mondelo. But before we get into the tactics from each game, Lucas will be going through the latest odds on the betting market regarding each team. And so we ask that you make sure to gamble responsibly when taking the advice on board, and also make sure that you are over 18 and that you comply. With the gambling regulations of your country. Thank you. So without further ado, let's dive right into the analysis. Brian, Lucas, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's jump straight into things because we've there's obviously a huge game coming up tomorrow between Croatia and Argentina. The last time the two sides met was in 2018. Croatia mauled Argentina 3-0 in the group phase of the previous World Cup, of course. No, I'd imagine, especially in the eyes of the betting market, Lucas, Argentina are the favorites heading into this one. Am I right?
1: Yes, you are. The question is how much of a favorite this should be in terms of numbers. Mm-hmm. Now, we have Argentina with odds of 1.82, which reflects an expectation of uh, around 55%. Um, for Argentina to win and 45% for any other results and a little under 20% for Croatia to win. This is all, you know, uh, not going into extra time, just mm-hmm. in regular time.
0: Let's, before we jump into talking about or tactically previewing the game, of course, and we'll discuss we'll discuss the seven-time Ballon d'Or winning Lionel Messi, talk to me about the golden boot race then because There's a couple of players that are still left in the tournament. Obviously, Kylian Mbappé, I think, has the most goals. Does Messi have five or two? Talk to me about the Golden Boot race and the odds then on on who are the favorites, basically, to to take on that trophy.
1: We have Mbappé with odds, um, you know, well below Messi, 1.5 on average. So everyone is expecting, you know, a lot of goals. And I think it's always a reflection of the, you know, the opponents that each team will have. So it's fair to say that whatever happens result-wise in in the coming semifinals, Mbappe in theory has a lot more chance to score, maybe even a hat-trick or beyond that against Morocco. While Messi will have, you know, a, a tough opponent and even a goalkeeper that is training, so this also affects them. Even if they both get to be in the final, that's that's a factor. So that's why you have them. But you also have in the third, you know, place of expectations, who would significantly, you know, smaller odds than he had. He he had twenty one to one before. Quarterfinals, and now he has seven to one after the most recent match.
0: It's interesting you said that about Mbappe, and because he's playing Morocco, could score a hat trick or so. And I think that exemplifies really well the difference between maybe the the eyes of most, not the eyes of most people, but I suppose the the, the reality of the betting market compared to the reality of the of the game really in terms of the tactical side of things because when i look at morocco while they may be deemed the weakest opponent left in the competition they've the best defense you know so i, I find it interesting that mbappe said has such low odds considering that he's going to be literally facing the toughest defense in the eyes of the betting market then does that literally just take into account the fact that morocco are a lesser side than croatia argentina and france
1: well i guess it always uh, it's tricky because you have to consider all the position that morocco faced in the tournament so and the question is how hard was it to keep you know the numbers this way for morocco and you have um, also you know a, a comparison between the teams in terms of uh, how hard it was the opposition for these strikers so far. You have the you know the fact that Mbappé is leading the race now, it always counts into in terms of, you know, formation of prices, formation of odds. But it's fair to assume that the market considers Morocco easier to score from Mbappé than um, than the Messi situation and also you have the tactical aspect here too in the sense that France can you know they have more teammates helping Mbappé you know opening uh, the defense breaking these lines and allowing him chances to score while to Messi this is more like a solo mission and uh, it also is accounted in in these numbers in my opinion
0: Who's the best outside shirt, then, do you think, for the Golden Boo? Albeit it's quite late to ask that question. I feel I probably should have asked that the, the last 16 of the quarterfinals.
1: Well, I think at this stage it's natural to expect, you know, the race to be between the these three guys. But mm. I, I think there could be some surprise with Jihu considering, you know, everyone knows the way he gets to score. But um, you know, the odds that he had recently to me were really mental. And with so many guys to mark you know, when playing against France, um, I guess he could be an outsider here. But other than that, I think it's almost like Mbappe is really close to, to win in this one.
0: Mm-hmm. I think the only player outside of Jerome Messi and Mbappe that could potentially win it is uh, Julian Alvarez, if he just has a, a goal-scoring spree in the next two games. He is tree behind Mbappe at the minute um, so I, I, I think as you said it will just be down to Mbappe, Lionel Messi and Olivier Giroud but we will get into the actual tactical side of the game now and Brian to come to you what kind of lessons can Croatia learn from the Netherlands as kind of a horror show for large parts of the of the most recent game in the quarterfinals.
2: The first lesson is Lionel Messi is mad. I think he's he, he he's angry and you can see him the, the real lesson is that Lionel Messi is different right now. He is not the kind of passive guy that was playing before on the national team and even at Barcelona where their his teammates were saying that he was a silent leader and all that. Now you can see him like fighting on the pitch, being Brave, being confident, being um, he challenges the players from the other team and even coaching staff like Van Gaal and and all that. So mm-hmm. it, it's a really tough way to see it as a rival because if Messi was the best player of or the history, maybe what people call him, um, and it was. A really silent guy with his team, and now he's different on that. With the only thing he left, that was the emotional part. It's unbelievable to have that kind of of guy on the pitch, and they can also. It's going to be a a, a different match for me because Croatia really defend, uh, better than Netherlands. Not only uh, because of Josko Vardiol and what he, what he's doing defending the box, but uh, what. Croatia are doing with their midfield with Modric, Brozovic mm-hmm. and uh, Kovacic, it, it's really good. On the defending side, it's really amazing how they move the block and how they block the zones on the middle turn and even... When they're playing very deep, um, so it, it, it's really interesting what Argentina is going to do. Because uh, one of the criticism that has appeared for Argentina in this tournament is the separation between the players in the build-up. Like when one of center back has the ball, even the fullback is in a long, very long way. Messi is on a long way. Touching on that
0: point actually, because. When Argentina lost Saudi Arabia in the first game, they they were. I remember Saudi Arabia set up in that it was four four two block, and they were extremely compact, and Argentina couldn't play through them. So what they started to do was they disperse out wide onto the flanks. It would it it was incredible. It looked like they had no lit there was literally no Argentinian players inside the Saudi Arabia defensive block inside the core. They were literally in a circle on around the edges, and it was so. Um. Dreadful, really, and then the the only way they really looked to attack was to kind of hit balls over the top, which isn't how they want to play, and it's not how they it's not how they excel, so I think, yeah, so you the say that they 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 have a habit of doing that if that's not the first time they've done that in the tournament, but if things don't quite go right for them, they start to just spread out really, and it creates a serious yeah. disbalance between the or imbalance apologies uh, in the in the the team's positional it setup. Is-
2: yeah and i think it it has been a common sight for for argentina this kind of separation uh till the first game like against saudi arabia like you're saying it was one of the most horrendous performance i have seen on the escaloni team but then i think it was against poland that they play really, really good in this way of approximation and getting players close to the ball and then changing to another side. And I think that was the thing I liked the most for Argentina against Netherlands, the width that um, Molina and uh, Acuna offered on on both sides of the pitch because when you have a player like Messi uh, driving... To, from right to inside, and then having Acuna wide open. And it's not only Acuna, it's Molina, and he invented a path that really didn't exist. So that's the kind of things you have to face. But in the counter-attacking aspect, you, you can see Mislav Orsic being a uh, uh, really thunder for against Brazil. In, and even Petkovic that... Hasn't had a really good game in this World Cup. Mm. He really finished the the play really well. And Croatia have players. I think they have players on the bench better to play in a counter-attacking way than players they have on the pitch. I think only I see only Perisic playing at this way, and he's he's been absolutely massive for them. But like players like Mislav Orsic or Lovro Meyer creating. A threat from the middle. I, I think it's they are two players really better to play in this kind of setup.
0: Well, let's let's talk about Croatia's chances then for a minute, Lucas. I will come to you. What what are Croatia's outright odds then to take home the crown? I suppose. I mean, they got to the twenty-eighteen final and they were they were pretty poor and they were dispatched by by, by France in the game. But then they've 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 a second bite at the cherry
1: you have a big gap between argentina and croatia and um you know starting from the top france has odds of 2.1 Argentina 2.6 and croatia 8 plus which is like uh, a big difference for a team that reached the the last final there may be some value here because uh, you don't really have to wait for them to lift the trough if they even get to be in the final you can already cash out by you know buying the other side of the bet. So there might be some value here. There are actually close to Morocco that has 11 to 1 on average. So they are you know underestimated is perhaps a good word here, in my opinion.
0: It, it may sound, um, and people may disagree with me, and I'll, I'll stick with you, Lucas, on this. I, apart from Lionel Messi, which, of course, there's no, there's no comparable player in Croatia's team. Luka Modric is a wonderful talent. Always, he's one of the greatest midfielders of his generation. But he's obviously not. As, he's not comparable to Lionel Messi. But I don't think, apart from Messi, the teams are that are overly mismatched. I think there's. I mean, <laughs> Argentina have some averageness within the side, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful when I say that. They, they've some. They've all. They both teams have really good players, but they don't have players of, you know, Argentina don't just have a, a team full of world-class players. There's some just okay players in there. Guys like that play with Brighton, obviously Kevin, um, Alexis McAllister is a really good talent, but he's with a mid-table Premier League side. You have Nicolas Otamendi who's with Benfica, who's, you know, with the fullest respect again, he's not a top central defender and he hasn't been for quite a while. Christian Romero, a decent centre-half to be to his credit. Um, Naquel Molina again, an okay wing-back for Atletico Madrid. You know, I, I just think and then you look at Croatia and the Vic like Brozovic, Modric, Perisic, Kvarty all, who's wanted for a hundred odd million. Joseph Juranovic even as well, an excellent an excellent player. I don't think that the I don't think that mismatch with a messy. I'm surprised that the odds are so uh the the gap in the odds is so vast.
1: Yeah, as I've said numerous times since we started this project for the World Cup, you get it, you know to see a constant overestimation of teams that won the World Cup, you know, and this is something that, you know, hasn't changed, for example, until when Brazil was, uh, knocked out of the tournament, you had a situation of clear domain with odds, like half the ones of France or at least two thirds, which means like, um, yeah, I agree. I guess that Argentina depends a lot on Messi and, um, Perhaps the only thing that could, you know, be said about Croatia is okay. Even though they have a team with great talent to support Modric, he has been a constant force in these battles mm. that went into extra time. He never gets up, which means there might be some, you know, significant fatigue accumulated over the last <laughs> times, and he's not a, you know, a young guy by no standards in football, meaning that um, it it could be a problem for them if anything happens. But still, I, I don't think the odds, you know, you know, both for the the outrights and the match results odds for the semifinals are justified at all. I think they deserve a bit more credit to Croatia.
0: Yeah, I agree. Brian, against the Netherlands, it was pretty comfortable. I, I think it's fair to say for Argentina, especially when they went 2-0 up, the Netherlands didn't look threatening at all. Van Hal was sticking with the same game plan, the same game plan, the same game plan. Pass, pass, pass. Argentina were defending really, really well. Then he switches to his plan B. You know, Van Hal has a habit of using the plan B at Manchester United, he had Marwan Fellaini, who was his you know as well yeah, as I said, his his plan B. He'd bring him on and he'd try to get a goal. Ashley Young across to the back post. Against Argentina, he had Horse, And he also brought Luke de Jong on two gargantuan south of the forwards. And they started playing direct. Started going long. It worked really, really well. Croatia, I think, can, in my opinion, learn a lesson from that. that and it actually reminds me, and straight away when, I, when this happened, I remembered a quote from Jose Mourinho after Ajax were knocked out of the 2019 Champions League final. Uh, Prochettino brought on Fernando Urente, if I'm not mistaken and he bullied the young Ajax defense and Mourinho said something like they didn't they didn't they, they couldn't cope with it because they were so inexperienced they were so young they were not as physically they, they weren't physically able to deal with a player like Llorente the spores made it ugly for them should Croatia make it ugly for Argentina then because they have some really tall players in the forward line you've even on the bench, you have Ante Budomir, you have Bruno Pekovic, you have um, Marco you even even P- Ivan Perisic is, is six foot one. Should they try and take a leaf out of Van Hals' page and to make it ugly for Argentina? Because, again, with the fullest respect, Otamendi's not tall. And just, no, I, know, I know this is redundant at this stage, but neither is Lassandra Martinez. Christian Romero is the tallest, and he just stretches to six foot one.
2: Yeah, and. It's kind of an, another lesson for Croatia because in, at the time that Wood Weghurst yes, was subbed in to for to the pitch, he w- he only targeted the shorter players like Lisandro Otamendi, and he was creating danger and threat because of that, because he's a beast. And even if Lisandro and Otamendi have a really good job and have really good physique and an athletic build to jump and to beat the uh, strikers, he's, he's immense, and as well, look De Jong. I don't think Otamendi could be the guy that they are going to target here, because aside, he's short. I think he has been really good, In the aerial duels in this World Cup, his jump has been really good and aggressive and he's really proactive to go out, jump, and anticipate crosses and passes and all that. So he's been, like, his good form on Benfica, he has brought it here to the World Cup and that's very good for Argentina. But then you have the likes of um, Lisandro, if he's going to play, or if the fullbacks get into the box, they are really short. So mm-hmm. a cross to the first post, back post, it could be a, a, an issue for, for Argentina and players like Petkovic, even Perisic. That well, you you can saw Perisic's see... header against Japan. Yeah, so this yeah. is what you know, PC was yeah, exactly to it was exactly what I'm going to say. You could see that, that header, and it, it was amazing. So they have the kind of players, if the things go wrong on the plan A, if they w- like to go to a plan B with tall players and cross it to the box, it could work like it worked for Netherlands. Uh, the thing with Netherlands, it it is like I've never seen a side that draw a game at the... Like 100 minutes of the game, it was. And then in the extra time, they were the they, they weren't the, the best emotional side. It was Argentina. And it's crazy because when you consider a goal at the 101 minutes and then go, you're going to extra time, you are emotionally down. Very down. But Argentina find themselves with a uh, Netherlands again sitting deep and not creating chances. We spoke and about this yesterday there. in the
0: podcast that when they scored twice, and as you said, the momentums were with Netherlands, Argentina are down. The Netherlands switched their game plan back to the way it was and Van it is, And it absolutely blew me away. And I love Louis Van Halen. I'm I'm sad that, that was his last game in management, but I was genuinely blown away by the fact that they didn't stick with what was working. And as I said to you about Croatia, you said there that Croatia can use it as a plan B. I think they can use it as a plan A, and it's not going to be pretty, but who yeah. cares about being pretty in a semi-final of a World Cup? Who gives a toss?
2: Yeah, it could definitely, they could definitely go with that as a plan A if it works in 10 minutes yeah. for, for Netherlands and they score two goals. It's amazing. I think one of the key of this match is going to be... Juranovic because Juranovic has played really well against the teams that are looking for wide threat like with players with win issues that he stopped massively it was the only one that, that could stop him at uh, this way but uh, against Argentina they doesn't look to to go with this kind of white player and we have to see what they're going to do because through the middle, one of the weakness I have seen from Croatia is at the edge of the box, because they want to overload the box and get out crosses and be compact there and not letting anyone win inside the box. But the, at the edge of the, of the box, they have this kind of weakness because Brazil was receiving there and trying to shot. And they weren't kind of finding the shots. But with players like Messi or Enzo Fernandes or even Di Maria, if he's going to play, you have three Different kind of shooting technique from distance, so that's going to be really nice to see if they are going to for the white threat. But if they are going to the for the white threat, they are going to have Juranovic that has been like one of the the best fullbacks on the, on the World Cup defensively. defensively
0: Yeah, Lucas, we'll wrap this up with a a question I pondered over whether to ask or not because it's pointless doesn't. I feel you know and what I'm going to ask. How do you how, how do you stop Lionel Messi? Because ultimately, that's what Croatia's chances come down to. And Ljubo Dalic in his press conference was asked this very question, and he said he will not go man for man. He will stay close to Messi. I would imagine he's talking about maybe de- defending in a zonal manner, where the nearest player takes him, as opposed to just having an old school routine where you just stick one man on. But even at that. It's not as if teams haven't tried to defend that way through history for the last two decades. It seems impossible. How do you stop him in, in, when he's on this form, too?
1: Well, I guess I guess you have to use a bit of the Argentine recipe itself. I was so, say, like, kick uh, him. <laughs> yeah, you know, great man marking, some luck, and a clear conscience about some violence. I guess that's, <laughs> that's the answer.
0: If a few, you a few, uh, air quote tactical fouls, I think is, is maybe the best way to stop him. But even at that... It's not as if nobody's tried this before. I think, again, and, and, and it's it's absolutely mundane, but Croatia's chances of getting through to, the, to their second final solely lies on their ability to stop Lionel Messi because he's in this in such incredible form. And you see even against uh, the Netherlands where Nathan Ake stepped out, it, all it took was a little shimmy of his shoulder and Ake had stumbled about three yards. And it created enough space for him to be able to slide the ball through to Nakuel Molina. It's incredible um you know i just, I just think of in terms of being able to stop this man you, you you will just need multiple players and obviously dallas mentioned about how the nearest player essentially will go and mark messi but i just don't think one player is enough i don't think the nearest player is enough you just have to sacrifice two at a time which will obviously lead to imbalance because then there's there's, there's, other, good, there's other good players in the team where they'll have an extra man i suppose but I think it's worth the
1: risk. Yeah, you... I guess that you know Croatia needs to be a little bit you know cautious about some stuff they did against mm-hmm. Brazil which it means they got to try to be keener in terms of counterattacking because they were efficient to neutralize Brazil and um, yeah it might happen again but uh, they they need to do better with the ball. Yeah. It it means like uh, they basically defended well against brazil that wasn't having the most inspired day yeah, and they were smart in terms of tactics with, with their line of three in the midfield because you have uh, seen brazil you know inefficient with this formation and that's just what happened here But it it just won't happen for them if they try that again without some kind of, you know, way into the counter-attacking. Because, as I said, all it takes is just one mistake to, you know, suffer a goal and that's it.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because they have, I think there's been out of their five games so far, three of them, they failed to score within the 90 minutes. Of course, Brazil was in extra time. They failed to score against Morocco. They failed to score against Belgium. They hammered. Canada and they look great in transition, but then in the rest of the matches, they've looked pretty, pretty uh mundane. I think it's fair to say on the ball. So, yes, I fully agree with you. They need to be more efficient and effective anyway on the ball. Brian, Lucas, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed this chat. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed too. And make sure to tune in tomorrow as we preview. Francis bowed with Morocco in the second semi-final of the World Cup so make sure to check back in for that and please share the podcast too it really helps us grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.